Welcome to the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. It is last Jedi January, but we're recording this in December. That doesn't make any sense, but hey, here we are. Check out our sponsor, SkywardFunSupply.com, from Funko Pops to three and three quarter inch figures, and all the way to six inch black series. SkywardFunSupply.com is your home for Star Wars toys. My name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I am joined by Mark. Hello, everyone. Zanger. See you around, kid. And I had the pleasure of having as a guest host tonight is Lewis, but you might know him as Sleepy Skunk from Twitter and YouTube. Please welcome Lewis to the Knights of Vader. Say hi, Lewis. Hey, everyone. We are a week after The Last Jedi has been in theaters, and oh boy, the internet is just chock full of hot takes. Hot takes upon hot takes. But before we get into those, I think everybody knows our thoughts on The Last Jedi, but let's ask our guest host what he thinks. Lewis, what were your thoughts on The Last Jedi? I thought it was excellent. I had the, I barely had any complaints, but obviously when you get into conversation with people is when you start finding that there's a couple of things that, you know, don't quite make sense. Like when you go into the details of the, of the film, there are things that maybe didn't flow as, as well as, as they might have. And then obviously if I give examples, that's where we get into conversation. But I think other than, I wouldn't call it nitpicking. I think the, I think the movie has flaws. I think overall I walked out and I said that was a, a very worthy addition to the, uh, the, the Star Wars uh, saga. And I'm, I was very, very satisfied. I was, uh, I would say nine out of 10. Oh, wow. Okay. So that is some pretty high praise there. I, I agree. Um, you know, no, no movie is perfect, but a very worthy addition to the saga. I think it really does, you know, sort of, it puts new, a new twist into things. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't wait to see, you know, what, how things will uh, flesh out in the next movie in, in episode nine. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, it was very surprising. It was very surprising. I think uh, Zach said, and also Zach added last time uh, that it, uh, what did you say it was, Zach? That it subserved uh, expectations, or how did you call it? It subverts expectations. It's a film that's more concerned with uh, zigging when you're expecting to zag. That, that, that's the best way to put it, in my opinion. So, like I said, this is a question I have for Lewis. As, as he knows, the Star Wars fans are rabid. They go see these things in theaters, not just once or twice, but five, six, seven, eight times. The hardcore ones. That's how, obviously, The Force Awakens made a lot of its money, was the fact that it came from repeat viewings. But this is my question. Considering this is more of a, I guess, again, like Mark said, it subverts your expectations. A theory I have is that this film is not one that, it, it, it's a dense film, but I can't. It's not a particularly fun film, if that makes any sense. It's not the galloping romp that you could say what The Force Awakens is. So my question is to Lewis: Do you think this is the movie that Star Wars fans will go to five, six, seven times, or do you feel that I'm wrong about that? I think they're gonna go like a hundred times, regardless. Um, <laughs> even if they don't like it, they'll go back to just like it even less. Or sometimes I think. You know, whoever's into fandom of anything knows that repeat viewing can increase your appreciation for something um, because the first time you see a movie that you've anticipated for years, you have your own version of what you wanted in there. You wanted, like, you had your own arc of, like, Ray's parents and what was going to happen with Luke. And, like, you've had years to plan that. Once you've been faced with what the movie suggests, to you and you know that information you go back 
then you're just going to watch it from a different perspective. So I think some people are going to hate it at first, go back and then like it more. And there's going to be people who loved it the first time. And then the more they go, the more they find it, uh, that it doesn't work as well. So uh, I, they'll, they'll go over and over and over. It's just, I, there's one thing I wanted to mention about The Last Jedi as a casual fan. Like I'm not a, I'm not a Star Wars um, obsessed fan. Like I'm just a, well, a, we'll find out that later. I'm, I'm a casual, <laughs> I'm a casual movie goer who enjoys going to see Star Wars movies. One thing that I find this film did better than all the Star Wars I've ever seen is always being extremely clear about who's attacking who, who's in danger. Every order, every directive that came from like Gleason's character, for example, um, I don't know the, the, the name of the character. He's sort of second in command to Snoke. Yes, General Hawks. Uh, Kylo Every, Ren? Uh, not, not Kylo, but the, the General other... General Hawks. The guy who doesn't have the Force. Um, G- right. General uh, Hawks. Hawks. Yeah, Hawks. Like, like, in these films, it, and, you know, I'll put the prequels in there, but also the original trilogy, there's, there's always, for the casual moviegoer, a confusion about what directives are they sending to who and who's being attacked and why... Who's like who's flying in the sky and everything? And I think a lot of people put themselves on sort of an autopilot where they just watch action and explosions, and they're not really paying attention. They find it a bit convoluted sometimes as to what the threat is and why they're taking certain decisions. In this movie, like everything made crystal clear sense, and even the strategic stuff. At some point, um, like the main vessel is going to um, like uh, light speed. And then you can see Hawks saying, well, she's just trying to create a distraction because we're attacking the transports. And it makes, like, that's totally what the audience was thinking she's doing. And he's, like, I found, I found that we followed everything about the wars themselves. Like, even if you're not into Star Wars at all, like, it, 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 they did such a good job at keeping us involved in what was going on and not losing anybody until, like, I don't know what's going on anymore, which I think... Especially like the Phantom Menace, I think some people just didn't understand anything that was going on. That's an interesting perspective. I've never heard about this so far. It's that in the way you are correct, this is, it is everything's well defined. Everything again, everybody. You said there's very clear distinction between heroes and villains, except for maybe Luke Skywalker. I would say I think he's the more, or probably the 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 most ambiguous element of this film. Just just because again, it, again, obviously that's a deliberate ploy on the part of the filmmakers. Is to make it seem like which which direction is he in? I think that's I think the marketing also kind of muddied that in a way. But that that's interesting though. I've never thought of it that way. Zenger, you've been unusually quiet. Do you have anything to put to you could share with us or? Oh, I was taking notes for the thing I want to do later. But um, <laughs> I mean, seeing it a second time, I actually enjoyed it a lot more on the second go around because I wasn't going in with my I made all these predictions, you know, let me see if any of these pay off. It's kind of, I went in and was able to catch stuff, you know, I didn't catch before and, you know, really enjoy the movie that was being presented to me. And I, I do agree that yes, at times this movie does do a good job of being very, here's the bad guys. Here's the good guys. Here's a gray area though, that you kind of see, but for the most part, the bad guys are the bad, the bad guys are bad. The good guys are good. It doesn't muddy the waters with anything and causes all this, you know, well, who do I need to really be rooting for in this situation? It's very cut and dry the whole time. 
But okay, so I have to ask. I want to get to a little bit more of the controversial aspects because even though there's a lot of people online ranting about this film, I feel there's not a lot of constructive criticism toward it. And one of the things that the obviously biggest problem with this film is the previous film. <laughs> all right, all right, I have to ask, Lewis, what's your opinion on The Force Awakens? Um, I thought it was apple pie. Oh, okay. Like it, it was, and I think um, I think it was the right approach, but really. I thought it was very careful and very nostalgic and it had moments that were fan servicing, but like to everyone who loved the original trilogy, I think, I think it was almost a sort of a, a, an attempt to reconnect with everyone who felt like Star Wars hadn't really been Star Wars since Return of the Jedi. And the, like, you know, like the whole scene with the Millennium Falcon and with, when um when Han Solo shows up and like the like for the first time and he's got like the chewy we're home like that stuff is apple pie like it's um it's sort of like remind remind people of their childhood show that the like the Star Wars they used to love is back um that that was my main feel of it um I, th I thought it was very very safe they played it very safe and then I thought well if they keep doing that people are going to start being critical of it and so, I mean, like, the, this movie decides to not go in that direction again. And obviously when you do that and you say, okay, I'm going to try something different, you're not giving people what they expect, then that's when you're going to split the opinion in two. But, uh, but I, thought, um, I thought it was very enjoyable. I saw it, I saw it like, three times. Okay. So, okay, but on the topic of, of Star Wars in the post-Disney era, just real quick, thoughts on Rogue One, yay or nay? Yeah, Rogue One was all right. All right, that's that's all I want. Okay, it's all right. Oh, okay. um, um, I was going to say real quick that you're going to find that um, it, most of the uh, people that, you know, that really like, well, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of the people that they're, they're having positive, uh, you know, opinions about it, that they like it and all that, are a lot of them are just casual moviegoers. They're not, you know, hardcore uh, fans, you know, they're into the fandom. Um, the ones that you see that are making a lot of noise are those that, are in you know they're they're in the fandom but they kind of were like disappointed by the fact that uh you know it did not um the, the, you know the things that they thought would happen did not happen you know their headcanon um you know theories didn't come alive on the on the screen uh that you know those folks uh but you know are are the ones that you see they're being very loud right now on the internet with their uh Disappointment. That's not to say that there isn't any constructive criticism that can be that can occur. I mean, I'm sure there are some points that you know people can debate on um, that are fair. But uh, for the most part, you know, casual fan, casual moviegoers, um, you know, they're they're having a good time going into the movie. You know, they they don't because they, they're they're not coming into it with like theories and saying, all right, I really hope that. You know, Lucas, you know, Ray's father, you know, I hope that she's a Kenobi, this and that, you know, they're not coming in with that. So you'll, you'll find that, 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 that that's kind of how it is. I, I don't know. I mean, what, I, agree. I don't know. What do, you, do, you, do you agree with me or what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, when I saw that Snoke was actually Snoke, I was totally fine with that. Right. But so some people were, were not because they spent two years theorizing as to, who Snoke really was, but like I, I didn't. I just I saw a hologram Snoke, and then I saw the real Snoke. I said, "Yeah, that's the guy from, yeah, that's Snoke." 
overthinking it a little bit can can hurt the experience. Right, and and, and I think that's what happened with some some folks in the fandom. Um, I mean, you know, it, well, now who exactly is it? I mean, I, I don't know who they are. It could be a mixture of people of you know of as to you know who was was disappointed when they did not see their theories come alive. Um, but who knows? Yeah, you know, I I'm doing actually a poll right now. Choose one of the four, and it's you know I like the prequels. I like the Last Jedi. I like the prequels. I dislike the Last Jedi. I dislike the prequels. I like the Last Jedi, and dislike the prequels and dislike the Last Jedi. I'm trying to gay. I'm trying to see if there's any correlation. Um, I'm trying to see if you know if it's just. You know, if it is mostly those that are like original trilogy uh, folks, you know, the people that saw the original trilogy when they were kids, you know, when they first came out, I'm trying to see if they're the ones that are mostly disappointed, or if there isn't it, or if there is no correlation at all. So I don't know. We'll see. I got a few more days left on this poll of mine, but uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, it's, and it's probably not going to be very indicative anyhow. But yeah, just something fun to do anyhow. It's, uh, I mean, just The Last Jedi does things that you don't see in the original trilogy, unless I'm mistaken, and that you didn't see in The Force Awakens. And to some people, that's bold and it's exciting, and to other people, it's it's not, because that's that's not what there's, it's supposed to be. Like, uh, a really good example is th that whole mission that um, that Finn um, goes, uh, you know, with, with Poe, like, instructing him to go find this Codebreaker the nature of that mission, like the chance of success that they're able to infiltrate, they're able to to stop the, the signal at the right time so they can escape. Like it's one of these typical Star Wars, no chance of success, like 0 0.0001, like a new hope, you know, when he fires at, at the right time using the force to blow up the Death Star. Like it's got no chance of success, and when they're planning it, when Poe's like, okay, we're doing this mission, let's do it, we'll do it behind her back because she doesn't agree, you think it's going to work out because you're like, well, it's Star Wars, so obviously there's going to be like 0%, 0.1% chance that it'll succeed, but in the end it will. And then when it doesn't, like you can see Poe's face is like complete disbelief that it's not working out, they got captured, and this whole thing is has gone south. Like, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, that's cool that this whole thing failed because that's such a Star Wars way of further rebellion to manage to, to, to escape or to manage to, to beat the Empire. And I was like, wow, this whole thing just was a complete failure on, on pretty much every level. I, I thought it was surprising, but that's not the kind of thing that you would see, or usually in Star Wars, I could see fans being uh, like upset at things like that. Saying like, well, that's not Star Wars. Well, yeah, that's and that's one thing I can go back to what Mark was talking about with his poll is I, I keep trying to identify. Like, you, people are at least giving you're giving examples, Lewis, of what works in this film or what could potentially upset people. The one thing is that you go onto the internet and you read different things. And everybody, there's people that are mad at this film. Like if I've seen the comment quote, uh, this movie has ruined Star Wars for me for the next couple years, end quote. I've seen it a dozen times. Just because it seems to be disenfranchising people, but it seems to be, it's that same subset of fans that got royally, oh God, as Mark calls them, the prequel haters. This seems to be in this, that same camp. People who, I would imagine if you did a Venn diagram, you'd have people who really don't like uh, the prequels and that don't like this. There'd be some nice overlap there. 
Because I don't see because like people who like the prequels, like Mark and I, they seem to be fine with this. I, I don't see any of the, the, the I guess it's the millennials or the ones who grew up with the prequel trilogy disliking this film. But it seems to be that same like not to say forty five plus year old fan are the ones that are really really angry and have some level of contempt for this. It's like like the ones the ones that grew up when they were kids. In the seventies, right? So, like, mm-hmm. he grew up with the original trilogy. Yeah, that's and that's what it is, though, because obviously we all know the 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 narrative that formed around the prequels. And the one thing that never made sense with that is if you look at the amount of money the prequels made, they made a nice amount. Like, if if, if a movie today made the amount of money they did back in the nineties and the early two thousands, it would be really good. You look at it now, and it's like, wow, it's like okay, these things. It's like for movies that are are supposedly universally hated. It doesn't make sense, and so it's like okay, pe- people make those complaints about the prequels. Now you go, you take the Last Jedi, which most people are appreciating in in proper Star Wars circles, if that even is a thing. You look at it now; it's that same subset of fans that really has got the long knives out for this thing. And I'm just trying to figure out: is there any appeasing this fan group, or is it just simply a nostalgia fest, or as you call it, apple pie? Is that the only thing that will really feed that monster, so to speak? Well, I think, I, I mean, I remember The Phantom Menace was, like, the biggest movie of the 90s, except maybe Jurassic Park. Like, Jurassic Park, I was very young, but I remember the line going around the block, like, three times over and, like, not being able to get a single ticket to see that movie. And then The Phantom Menace, when it opened, when the trailer for The Phantom Menace played the internet didn't have movie trailers um the trailer for the phantom menace played before this movie with brad pitt called meet joe black yep and star wars fans went to buy tickets to meet joe black watched the trailer for star wars cheered and then left the theater and that movie opened to like 30 million dollars or something like it had a huge opening for like a drama because it was all star wars fans who went to watch the trailer over and over and over, like they kept buying me Joe Black tickets just to watch the first Star Wars trailer, and it had the biggest buzz um, ever. And I think um, I think the response was very positive too. When the Phantom Menace opened, the response was really good. Like the backlash came later. Yeah, that's 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 what that's my feeling. I wasn't a Star Wars fan back then when uh, when the, uh, the episode one initially came out. I I never saw it in theaters, but uh, yeah, I. Um, we didn't. The internet wasn't a very big thing back then, and there's still, you know, most households didn't have it yet. So, you didn't see, you know, a lot of fandom uh, stuff going on online. Um, so you didn't. You know, these loud and vocal uh, minorities um, that you know they are very loud. Uh, that you know nowadays um, they weren't reaching big audiences back you know back then like they are now so it was you know over the years when they started when they were like you know they got really loud about it and uh, my 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 theory as to why you're seeing a lot of people that you know that like the prequels that also like the last jedi is because i think a lot of folks um you know realize that star wars isn't going to always be the same thing it's not always it's not always going to be a nostalgia fest and it, and that we probably you know like it that it's not a nostalgia fest all the time Hence why, you know, many are cool with The Last Jedi, because it's not a nostalgia fest. It was, you know, full of surprises. You know, we weren't coming in there with expectations of things of like, oh, I, you know, that, oh, you know, I hope that Ray is a Kenobi. Oh, I hope, you know, Snoke is 
Palpatine, you know, coming back from the dead. And we, we weren't coming in with that kind of stuff. You know, I had some thoughts on what could happen, but, you know, I wasn't going to torch uh, Ryan Johnson if, you know, this didn't go down the way that I wanted it to go down. Recording this the Thursday before uh, the second weekend of The Last Jedi uh, stars before we know how the box office is going to be because we all because just for those who don't know that second weekend drop is a very good indicator of the box office prospect of this thing going down the road and how leggy it'll be in the next couple months but this is my question if you okay lewis let's say you are you are kathleen kennedy or an executive at lucasfilm or disney considering what you're let's pretend you have you have to make a decision now with the information at hand are they going to make jj abrams go more off the reservation, or they could allow him to return to the very safe sandbox he likes to play in of just same themes, same character motivations, playing it safe. Where do you think they would be going right now? I have no idea what they're going to do. Um, I, I mean, I, I would say J.J. Abrams built his brand around capturing that Spielberg emblem entertainment nostalgia, and then his job interview in order to get Star Wars was to take Star Trek, which by all means, like after Nemesis was just a dead property, like nobody wanted to touch that. And then he just took Star Trek at a very low stock price. And he said, I'm going to make a Star Wars movie, except I'm going to do it with the Star Trek characters. And that was a big hit. Um, but by all means, like his first, his original Star Trek movie with um, Chris Pine from t- 2009, like, it, it's, it plays out like a Star Wars movie in many, many ways. And, and that's why he got the job. So he's, that's, that's the only thing he's really great at, is to capture that, what I call the apple pie, like that, that 80s feel, that nostalgia, classic storytelling. Um, I think the best example, just going back to what we were talking about, is the difference between the way Han Solo was in The Force Awakens and Luke Skywalker is in The Last Jedi. Han Solo was very much the same as as when we left him. He's older, but he's still got that same spirit. He's still doing these this banter with Chewbacca, where he's like he's uh, like Chewbacca's yelling and he's responding like he like he oh you're cold you know like this type of stuff. And like for for these older fans like who are looking for that, I think they got the Han Solo they they missed for that long. They were like oh my god he's back. That's that's the hand solo I loved from my childhood. But then he come to Luke and like 30 years went by and he went through a lot of horrible experiences that obviously we haven't seen on the big screen. And he's just not the Luke that we remember at all. Like he's just very jaded, uncooperative, wounded, you know, like, and it's like, that's not the Luke Skywalker I remember. Um, and I think, um, I think episode nine, just to answer your question, like I think episode nine was supposed to be about Princess Leia. I think they wanted to give a proper end to the three classic characters in each film. And episode nine was supposed to be all about her. So that I don't know how they're going to do. Are they going to recast? Are they going to just do something else? But if it's J.J. Abrams, I think the reason why they're going with him is to go back to the, the apple pie. Yeah, really the wrong move to do. You really think so? I mean, I do. You can't. You, you can't no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying you know that that's the wrong move. Uh, I'm saying about what he, what he, what Lewis is saying. But um, because 
you know, we already had all this stuff happening in, in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Um, I don't think there's really much room for nostalgia, apple pie, you know, type of things. I just don't see, you know, how he's going to be tying it up with an, in a nice nostalgia bow with this one after these first two movies. Um, you know, with everything that's happened, in you know, event-wise in them. But um, I don't know, that's just me. I just don't see it. That's not to say that JJ won't be playing it safe, but I, I don't think we're gonna. I, I don't. I don't. I don't feel like we're gonna see Return of the Jedi rehash. You know, kind of like how the. You know, it's like the accusations that they gave for the Force Awakens, a New Hope rehash. I don't think we're gonna see that. But I, you know, I could be proven wrong, and I'm always, and which happens like seventy five percent of the time for it, that I'm <laughs> proven wrong. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think, Lewis? I mean, you really, you really think we're going to see Return of the Jedi rehash, play it safe, or are we going to see, you know, something new? Or I don't know. They'll, they'll probably play it safe. Um, I mean, just the way the Star Wars films, like what I'm saying, playing it safe in Apple Pie, like I don't mean they're going to bring back the Ewoks. And like, like I'm just saying, you know, I think the way the storytelling goes in The Force Awakens is is very carefully constructed to pay full respects to the original trilogy. Like, um, I remember seeing it the first time, and my my first take was like, it's like watching J.J. Abrams like ace a driving test. <laughs> like this, I like, like that. perfect. Like he like like all his like um, like dead angles and like like when he parks parallel parking, perfect, perfect. Like he's got top marks. Like he didn't miss a single beat that could potentially offend or divide or confuse what we think of the characters. And then Ryan Johnson just plows through like these cones, like <laughs> he doesn't give a <laughs> Like it's just like, oh my god. Um, like like just the just the opening and that, that's one of my disappointments with The Last Jedi. Like I would have wished that they were alone on that island, and that's what the end of The Force Awakens sort of lets us believe. Just the way like Yoda and, and Luke were by themselves in Empire Strikes Back. And then there's all these characters who play like caretakers or something. Like we're also living in the island that play like comic relief. I thought all of that stuff didn't work at all. What about the porks? I mean, that's fine. But like all these, yeah, yeah. these characters like walk by and then like she throws something and then it breaks whatever she's carrying and like the whole milk, <laughs> the whole scene where he goes to get milk, and he looks at her like he gives her an angry look, and he drinks this this drink. <laughs> it's like I didn't. Oh, yeah. I didn't understand what. Like I felt the island would. It was to show he was crazy. Well, he was trying to scare her off by being like, "I'm crazy now. Look at how crazy I am. I'm drinking milk from this thing." It was definitely creepy. Like it's good that she didn't leave after that, but. But just the fact that, it, that there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff going on on that island, and I felt considering what was happening in the story, it would have served best maybe to have a bit more of the training scenes. There, there's not that much training, and then just to have the two of them by themselves on the island, it, it's more peaceful and it's more. It serves a better scenery to the type of dialogue that he's having about the forest, and I just thought there was a lot of noise going on, like on that island. I was like, what's <laughs> I, some of that stuff is the studio like like you don't get full creative control in fact when you think you do you get fired from directing a Star Wars movie 
We've seen that yes. uh, Garrett Edwards, who who didn't direct Rogue One, in the end it was um, Tony Gilroy who did Nightcrawler, who finished it. But he still has credits, and he like he did most of it. But in the end, they still locked him out of the editing room, and they just refilmed the last half an hour of that movie. And then the the guys from uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and the the Lego Movie. I forgot the the names of these guys. Lord Miller, right. I mean, they, they found out the hard way, and then Colin Trevorrow didn't get a chance to start shooting. <laughs> he was just, yeah. He was let go based on his idea of the movie or something. Right. <laughs> See, that, that, yeah. The Book of Henry, I think. They saw his movie, The Book of Henry. They're like, okay, we got to fire this guy. There's been a lot of, uh, we've been talking about this in the last couple of podcasts on the past of like the kind of signal that. Kathleen Kennedy is sending out regarding you know Lucasfilm like and their IPs like do they want directors that are just gonna do what they want uh, what what you know the studio heads want from them or are they gonna give their directors creative freedom so that they could put their stamp on things I mean they gave Ryan a lot of creative freedom as we saw um, but then you know when it came to Solo you know um, we got the news that they were let go that you know and then. It was because they they were adding too much humor, but then you know it's like, but I thought these guys were were, were going to be were allowed to put their own stamp on, you know, on the Star Wars saga. What you know, what's going on here? I mean, I don't know. I feel like she's sending mixed signals. What do you think? I mean, do you think there's any cohesion in what in Kathleen Kenny and Lucasfilm's plans? There was also Josh Trank. Josh Trank from Chronicle was supposed to do a Boba Fett movie, and he was like, oh. Yeah, well, that's another. That's he, another story. Des- I mean, he deserved that though. He actually deserved to be fired. I mean, I mean, he was he was horrible in his handling of um, the Fantastic Four movie. Like, and I, I don't mean the the product that was released, but I mean like his attitude on on that set was horrible. Um, but it ju- it just adds to the list of people who weren't a fit but were originally hired. And I think I think Ryan Johnson seems. I mean, I saw him in person at uh, the Toronto Film Festival when he premiered Looper, his movie oh, Looper. Wow. Um, he just seems like a very adaptable type B, you know, like uh, if he's assertive, it's done in a very calm way because he seems like a very, like, easy to approach. Like, I remember he, he told the audience, um, well, you know, this is my film that's premiering here and... I'll come back afterwards for a Q&A. So, you know, if you guys don't like it, like, I hope you still clap because otherwise it's going to be awkward. Like, I'm going to have to come here, answer questions, and, you know, you guys hated it. <laughs> like, like, let's pretend you guys liked it. Just just, just, just for me after, you know. It's just like that, that type of attitude, I think, is more serviceable to making big budget movies because then you, if you have to clash creatively, you're doing it with an approach where, it's more it's more easy to find a solution, and I think a lot of these people that get flushed out of the system, they have very big egos and very uh, confrontational approaches to to their filmmaking, and then that obviously doesn't work because there's the studio notes on these movies are like huge documents, like there's oh, like 150 revisions or 150 cuts of that film and. Like you know the casino scene with uh, with Ray and uh, Rose, there's a scene where uh, uh, not Ray, sorry, with Finn and Rose. There's a scene where Finn just um, fought this really cool fight 
against his old boss. And then um, she hops on with BB-8 and she's like, do you need a ride? And it looks very, very cartoony, kid-friendly. And I, the way I look at that scene is like, they have to put that in there because part of their audience, or a huge part of the audience, are like 8 to 12-year-olds who are going with their parents. So they're mindful of every audience that goes to see the movie, which is everyone. Like, all four quadrants are going to that movie. So they, they, they make sure there's just enough in there for the kids to to feel um, comfortable and to like the movie as well. And it's very difficult to find that balance because otherwise if you're doing it for only one audience, it's much easier to make the movie. Um, but then, then you leave out all, all, this, all these other people that also want to enjoy it. Um, that was a problem with Jurassic Park. I remember seeing it. And, and there was this, like, these two little kids walking out with their dad, like, crying because they went to see dinosaurs because they thought it was going to be this wonderful thing. And it was scary as hell. And, like, they walked out in the middle of the movie, like, bawling their eyes out with fear. Um, so th those are the things they keep in mind. Like, they make sure that everyone finds their own comfort and, and can walk out having a good time. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the, it's the fact that, it's, again, obviously Disney's in the business of four-quadrant films. Anything less than that, they really don't want any parts of. But, like, looking at this movie, and I, I've only seen it once, and I saw it at uh, an opening night showing on Thursday. And there was a... Uh, he, was at, he had to be at least under the age of eight. There was, there was a little boy behind me in the theater. And the only time he ever responded to anything in the movie was when BB-8 was on screen, or th when the evil BB-8 was on screen. Was it BB-9E? That's the only time he responded. He didn't respond for Ray, Finn, Poe, any of those moments. It's just, again, like, like you were saying, Lewis, the, the cute characters. And But think about looking at this movie, though, is that I don't know how a, uh, a kid in the modern era will appreciate this, or in a weird way, I don't want to say, again, appreciate's not the right term for a kid. But how a, a, a kid will glom on to this and say, oh, I want this. Like It used to be the indicators, you probably know, that if there was a new movie out, you could go down the toy aisle, and depending on how many toys were left or how many kids were in the aisle, it was a pretty good indicator as to how popular the film was with kids. And the joke is now is that the, the primary audience for Star Wars toys is people over the age of 25. So you have this weird thing where it's like, it's, it's, well, it's, it's true. But I'd love for someone to argue me that Star Wars is not meant for adults. <laughs> But uh, let me I, let me uh, hide my uh, collection of. Uh, oh no, I'm the first one. To of, that. I buy, uh, I buy uh, too Wars, much Star Wars crap. Uh, stuff that it's still in their original packing. <laughs> there we go. But no, it's just I can't. Nerd. I just, like, Nerd. Uh, but but no, it's just I I don't know how kids are going to respond to this. Like I, I, that was the thing with Rogue One. The big joke was, oh, how many kids are going to walk out of Rogue One and say, "Mommy, mommy, buy me the character that dies in the end." It's it's I I appreciate what Disney's doing. They are going, they are swinging for the fences and trying to do something again with the latter two films, Force Awakens. Uh, not so much, in my opinion, but I, I don't know though. It's like they're going for the four quadrant, and obviously it's responding. You don't do two hundred and twenty million opening weekend without getting a little bit of everybody into the theaters. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a weird sort of pickle I think they're putting themselves in. Speaking of four quadrants. Um you know, I have a rudimentary understanding of what that of what that means, or what it, what it is. But uh, can you explain uh, to our audience, Lewis? Um, you know, the idea behind four quadrant, you know, and four quadrant films and all that. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, um, the quadrants uh, are based on age and gender. Um, so you got um, young boys, young girls, older men, older women. That's not exactly the terms they use, but that's what it means. So a movie like um, like Mamma Mia with Meryl Streep is a one-quadrant movie. It's for older women, but it scored extremely high. It opened against The Dark Knight in 2008, exactly on the same day, and The Dark Knight made $150 million opening weekend. But Mamma Mia, with that one audience who had no interest in watching The Dark Knight, they all went to see Mamma Mia, and they made it, like a, I think it made about $150, maybe $200 million, like enough to make a sequel. So you can either make a one-quadrant movie, where your movie, like Power Rangers, would be a movie that's for younger boys, and that's the quadrant. That's what they're trying to focus on, and the whole movie is meant for that one quadrant. Wait, or, wait, hold on. Movies for can Apple. someone tell Ellie that? Because she actually just bought the Power Rangers movie, and it is for her. <laughs> She's gonna be, wait, 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 Lewis, that's your favorite movie of the year, right? Saban's Power Rangers? Uh, uh, it's terrible. So, um, <laughs> so uh, now, would you necessarily say that uh, big budget tentpole films today are meant to are meant to cater to all four quadrants? Would you necessarily say like that? Well, like that's, that's the point. Yeah, I think I think the most four quadrant movie I've seen in recent memory is Zootopia. That's from Disney. Like that that movie has it jumps from scene to scene and moment to moment in dialogue where it appeals to absolutely everybody at different times. There's going to be like a scene with slots being very slow. The kids find that very funny, but then there's going to be an entire like political undertone that's not meant for kids at all at the same time. And then in the end, like everyone from all ages and gender regardless walk out feeling like that movie was from them, like it was for them. And it made it made a billion dollar worldwide. There's some animated films that can satisfy the four quadrants, and then there are those that just satisfy, you know, the young ones, young boys and young girls. Um, which is not to say that they're failures, that they're terrible movies, quote unquote. But there is just that, you know, there, there's just different catering. You know, it's not always you know, things vary. It's, it's always going to vary. Not to so. interrupt you, Mark, but I'm looking up Mamma Mia on Box Office Mojo. And, oh boy, I forgot how much money that movie made. That movie internationally or worldwide grossed more than Iron Man and James Bond that year. That was an... Talk about the power of counter-programming, like Lewis was saying. Oh, wow. I'm watching it in Toronto at the Varsity. The Varsity is a Toronto theater that's pretty popular. Um, They were still selling out Mamma Mia at the end of August. And I think it came out in July. And I remember... Like going to see other movies, and then that screening was still sold out. It was all older women, like going to see it again. It was, um, but I mean, it's just it's just an example among many of a movie that's clearly not for younger male audiences, and yet yeah. it made a ton of money. Zanger, you've had a game planned or something. Zanger's been working on something all day, and I don't know what it is. So I'm I'm totally stealing this, but I want to see if we can prove. I, I figured that this would be a good break in the. If people don't want to hear us talk about, you know, because we, we, we don't want to burn every Last Jedi bridge, even though there are several yet still very early in the ability to talk about it. So 
when Last Jedi came out, WatchMojo.com, not trying to promote them, they don't need it, but they did an interesting list of the top 10 ways to know if you're a real Star Wars fan. And we are going to go over them and see if all among us are true Star Wars fans. All right. The first one is, you, you are knowledgeable about the expanded universe. No. Okay, so Mark's got one one tick against him. Zach? Uh, oh, boy. I know some stuff about the EU. Like, I, I, know, I know things here and there, though, but I do not have an encyclopedic, encyclopedic knowledge of how all the weird but stuff Would you happens. say you're knowledgeable on it, either old or new? Oh, on new, I know a lot. The okay, because it, it does I'm, not... It says expanded universe, but I'm like, I don't know if they're referring to... Well, EU's only, spent, only supposed to mean... Uh, the, the old stuff. There's I no know. EU anymore. I, it's, it's all continuity. It's, well, that, that's that's the thing. I'm I'm kind of including it into both categories. I'm going to say yes. Or EU. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very narcissistic and say yes. I do know. I do. I, I would know enough to hold my ground in a fight about the EU. All right. Um, I'll answer for myself then, real quick. Uh, yes, I know who Mara Jade is. I know what lightsaber color she has too. Because that's actually something the Alexa I got asked me the other day. Because I set up a little Star Wars quiz with it that I can do daily. Nice. And as for our guest, what about you, sir? I mean, I've seen the Clone Wars. The animated Clone Wars movie. I'm going to take that as a light no, then. (laughs) (laughs) That's a complete... I mean, if I was in a quiz and you picked me as a Star Wars guy, like a knowledge competition... Um, on the expanded universe, no, I would I would totally fail and and let my team down. So that's enough. See, it was either this or a Star Wars quiz, but I decided to go on this. So may I save the Star Wars quiz for next week? Because I actually missed one question on it, and I was oh, ashamed geez. of myself. And I'll tell you what the question was. Now it was name three of the four Jedi that confronted Palpatine in Episode oh, oh, Three. Oh, 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 okay. Kit Fisto, Eth Koth. God, okay, and, you're you're, you're um, done. You're done. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only. Yeah. I was like, Kit Fisto and um, Eth Koth and uh, Sicey Tin. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I know I know all three of them. But I did get the lightsaber colors correct because one of them was yellow, and it said it included any of the video continuity with current Star Wars stuff, and I was like, oh, yellow, because uh, Temple Guards had yellow lightsabers. And the person, the other person got it, but they took them longer. So I was proud of myself. Anyways, moving on to number nine. You were upset when Disney axed the original Expanded Universe. No. Okay. Yes, for me. (laughs) Mark, you're you're slowly not becoming a Star Wars fan. (laughs) Wait until you get the part about waiting online 48 hours on on cold concrete. Then Mark's going to clean up. All right. Um, and, And our guest as well. Well, I have a question. Yes. When we're talking about original Expanded Universe, are we talking about the episodes 7, 8, and 9 that George Lucas had planned? Yeah, we can include that. Because there, there was, like, back in the day, there were plans to, to, to move along. And, and this entire storyline where, where Leia and Luke uh, still at their... At the same age they are in the original trilogy, like in their in their youth or adulthood, they they have this epic lightsaber battle where Luke is 
on the dark side and Leia's on the light side. Mm-hmm. That obviously so, has never happened, and that would have been incredible. So, so I guess I will get. I, I will in the rules of this give that one to you definitely. Then, so you got one out of the ten so far. Oh man, and, he's on the board. I'll hold on to it. All right, and the next one is you've made your own fan edits. Oh my god. Oh uh, yeah. Now, this one for me, I'm like, I've said how you should redo it, but I'm like, I've never taken the movies and edited them myself because I'm like, I don't feel you could cut them, cut anything out. So this one is the one I say, no, I have not. I have what I think you should do with the prequels, but that's a separate thing. Uh, Considering considering that our our guest is actually a master editor, I think we should skip directly to him. Yes. I did did a, a movies from outer space mashup. Back in 2011, and there was a lot of Star Wars in it. Um, I'll count it. I've never recut the actual movie in order to, you know, make it make it flow better. I hear there's a, um, I hear there's a a, a prequel recut that there's is a supercut that's supposed to be really good. Yeah, it's supposed to be, it's like four hours long, and it's all three movies as one big movie, mm-hmm. and you watch it in one shot, and it's amazing. Yep. Is that is that Topher Grace's? I've I've heard it yeah. isn't it isn't. Yeah, so. I, I heard that one, but uh, yeah, I've, I've heard that one, but I, I don't know. I don't I don't feel too good about about edits and stuff. Of, of well, like I said, this this is one I was definitely when I was doing this thing. I'm like, I mean, I have my own way. I I wouldn't get in front of a computer and edit it myself because I'm like, mine would involve shooting new scenes, but whatever. I, I guess I'm not that much of a nerd. No, I know the biggest thing with the Phantom edit is they take out a lot of the. Uh, the, the yippies and things like they take out a lot of the Anakin and Jar Jar stuff. They just completely excise that from the from the film. All right, ready for the next one? So, so that was a solid no for the Knights of Vader squad. Yes, our guest one. is saving us because it's a team effort. Oh, okay. I didn't know this was a team effort. Speaking <laughs> Don't of question team, it. Don't question it. Speaking of team effort, number seven, you correct people on misquoted lines. No. You've ne- okay, so no from our guests. You've never corrected someone on a misquoted line. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say no because I'm not that big of a jerk. Um, oh, God, dude, do I have to be the guy this time? Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no as well. I've, I correct people on Luke, I am your father. Yes, we, uh, as, as we all know, we've all had personal experience with that one. Yes, so yeah. I, I correct people on that one, but everything else I'm kind of like, eh. I kind of do that too, actually. <laughs> okay, so so see, I'm I'm becoming less of a jerk. So that that one, I guess I get a yes, and Mark, you get a yes. Zach's trying to be above it all right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking right. a long term game. All right, next next one. You own toys and paraphernalia. I should win alone just based on this this part of the quiz. <laughs> so I think that that I. I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for our guest on this one, but the Knights of Vader crew definitely wins out in that one. Yeah, Lewis, no, I, how much Star Wars memorabilia do you have? I got, I got some, I got some toys. I don't, yeah. I don't have many, but I have a lot of uh, movie-related toys, including Star Wars. I will count it. All right, number four. You prefer the old special effects? Oof. To like the the special edition. There, there is separate stuff about the special edition in the next few questions, but I'm, I'm assuming this is referring to the 
like them use it. You would you would rather see traditional puppets in some scenes than them just CGing something in and making it look like ass. Like, <laughs> like Yoda was the puppet Yoda in mm-hmm. the Last Jedi. Yes, and I was thrilled. So count me in. All right. Mark and I want to hear Mark's answer. I want to hear Mark's answer first. Oh, man. This is a real trick question. Oh, man. The, the, the last three even get better. <laughs> I'm going to say... Okay, the question is, do I prefer old school effects to mm-hmm. now? Um, I'm a millennial, and... Yeah. I'm going to say no. Um, particularly with, you know, relative to how movies are made nowadays. All right. All right. I'm going to say yes. All right. It's more of a a larger debate as to old school pyrotechnics and like practical effects versus modern CGI. Like movies like The Dark Crystal and if you grew up on that, obviously you have a a warped appreciation for like the old practical stuff. So it's hard to like it, it applies to every movie, not just Star Wars. Well, I think it's also the fact of it's appropriate CG versus inappropriate. Like everybody, like is in the lead up to the Force Awakens, that was the the mar- that was the marketing message was real sets, practical effects, and there's more CGI in that film and less practical sets than there were in the three prequels. So it's 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 just a matter of just I guess how you what sort of emphasis you put on it. But I guess I prefer the again like you were saying, Lewis. I prefer seeing the the nooks and crannies. Still, like again, seeing C or puppet Yoda is much more of a thrill than CG Yoda. But seeing digitally put in Maz is better than if it was a puppet. I don't know. Maz would be really fun as a puppet. I, I just think they've she's very anime, and I think that would just be hard to do. Moving on to the next have, one. Well, hold on, real quick, just speaking of Maz, I remember I, I, again, I'm not sure how much you follow the rumors, Lois, but there was like rumors going on forever that they always had problems with Maz Kanata in these films. Like there was always some sort of issue, whether with Lapita Nyong'o's motion capture. That's why she's always used sparingly in these films. Hmm. Um, I've never really heard that. Okay. You didn't hear that before. I always, I think that was again. It might have been from more of a tabloid news source as opposed to like one of the trades. But like I remember, there was always issue. That's why she was cut out. Because again, remember there is that infamous scene from the Force Awakens trailer where she's handing Leia the lightsaber, and we don't get that in the film. Moss kind of just disappears in The Force Awakens. She kind of just sits in the rubble of her castle, and that's it. Well, I, I remember um, Jage's explanation of that. It's something that had to do with that, that uh, Leia was already in um, Takodana, and you know, therefore they didn't need that scene to be you know, done, after all. Um, I don't trust a word that J.J. says. That man, that man does not know the word honest. It's not in the dictionary. <sighs> all right, Zanger, what's question three? You have opinions about which version of the original trilogy is the best? Uh, yes, I do actually. All right. Mark, you've only seen one version of the original trilogy. No, I've seen the Blu-ray one and the uh, DVD one. Oh, that's six to one, half dozen the other. I mean, there's not big changes, you know, but I, I guess you can. Cons- I mean. Well, I guess they were more dramatic. Uh, Excuse more, me, Mister m- Judge. I vote to overrule him on his on his <laughs> opinion. I vote to overrule. He hasn't seen the unaltered. He's not allowed to say in this. No, you, the question was, you know, that you you debate which are the best special editions. It does say it, there is no. It you could argue in favor of the special editions if you wanted technically for this question. 
but he doesn't know anything but the special editions. I argue that he should be this should be stricken from his record. This question should not be considering that he's, he's he has to differentiate between crap. Okay, all right. <laughs> considering that he has to differentiate between crap and crap with nuts in it. I don't think that's a legitimate question. He has to. He needs to see the proper version before he's allowed to make a say on this. There's also a theatrical version of Star Wars: A New Hope that only played in theaters in 1977, and only yeah. who were born in and saw it in theaters saw that version. And then afterwards, what came out in, in VHS at the time was not the same version as in theaters. Like George Lucas, constantly reshuffles or not reshuffles but he he, he does because there's the ones that came out in theaters there's the ones that came out on vhs as the box set that were slightly altered then they were the first round of the special editions then they were the second round of special editions then they were the blu-rays so they they constantly are editing those things well Heck, can... the prequel trilogy actually there's different edits of those episode one has a different edit now yeah. in the blu-ray well, actually, like Lewis was saying, is that every single time Lucas re... Because everyone forgets that Lucas re-released Star Wars 1977 numerous times in the late 70s and early 80s. And every single time, he did do minute changes. Like Even if it was something minor as like speeding up the crawl by like 132nd of a second. Or, or touching something. up like a scene a little bit. Yeah, and there's even, like you were saying, I think the only Star Wars film or... The only Lucas era Star Wars film that does not have an alternate edit is Revenge of the Sith. Because even uh, Attack of the Clones has the the IMAX edit, which is only which is about twenty minutes shorter, and there's no there's no record of it outside of people who just sat in the theater that summer and saw it. Hmm. I'll say I'd love to see the IMAX cut. Very quickly, I'll say one, I'll say one good thing about the special edition treatment and one bad thing. Um. One good thing to me is at the very, very end of Return of the Jedi, when you see Hayden Christensen as the ghost, instead of in the original, it was the actor who played Darth Vader that we really didn't see at all. And he just shows up and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that, that's, his, that's how he looked. That's how his dad looked. But like in, when they replaced with, like in the, after the prequels came out, they replaced him with Hayden Christensen. I thought it made more sense. Because that's how he should look before he became Darth Vader. The last time Anakin was like human-looking was like that, so that's how he should be remembered. I thought that was a good decision to to make. Objection. Like it makes more sense. Like when the when the, when the old actor shows up in the original trilogy, like oh that's like you're not really emotionally attached. You're more like oh okay that's how he looked. I guess that's like that's like who's that. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I'm going to argue for and against this absurdity real All right. quick. R- real, real quick, I just want to make sure everybody's aware of this. Uh, Zanger, do you mind just turning your camera on so everybody's aware of what what pers- this is? Judge Zanger, who has his his Thor hammer and presides over the Knights of Vader court. When I need to. Okay. When I need to. All right. This, just give just give Lewis a, a heads up. Yes, All he right. presides over the the court. I got it. Yeah. I also um, got this. If I really need to get in forcey. I'll say one bad thing. I'll say one bad thing about the special edition special effects add-ons. There was this scene that was a deleted scene or like an added scene where like Boba Fett and Han Solo meet uh, like in the back of I think it's the bar like from A New Hope and then 
they sort of like the special effects team have Angelo walk behind them, but sort of like walk the st- uh, sort of a stairway. And like the way he moves, it, it was like it's the worst I've ever seen. Like it just it, it was an insult. So you can find it on YouTube, I think. But I, I, they didn't have the footage to pull it off, and they they, they put it in there anyways. It was is way below the standard of any motion picture ever. Like that sh- that shit should have never made it to like the final approval stage. You're talking right. about. I know what you're talking about. He just walks over Boba Fett's tail. But the- oh, you mean Jabba the Hutt? Oh, sorry, I said Boba Fett. Yeah, Jabba the Hutt. Sorry. Yeah, where they digital, where they digitally fix it by having him magically, like just Han just magically jumps up a foot then down a foot. Yeah, yeah, but he looks like uh, like the Teletubbies when they jump. Yeah. <laughs> sort <of> like- <laughs> Like no, not- it doesn't. It, they they keep adjusting that on each of the each of the special editions, and it never looks right. Oh, Plus, I hate that scene because it ruins the surprise of who Jabba is. I could go into my whole spiel about that, but I am not. There's a ton of episodes of Zingness where I've already done my special edition versus regular opinions. The best cut is definitely Empire because they don't really need to add or change that much to it. That being said, I will both argue and then counter argue against the Hayden Christensen in the special edition. Sure. The lore explanation, which I'll, 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 will give it to it. It makes sense is he reverted to a version of himself that was pure with the force. Right. And that would have been him as a younger person, but it is BS because no one would recognize him as that. Mm. An interesting so. thought. You know, I, I was just, so there's that. Course adjourned. All right, All right. One quick one thing about that. I'm gonna let Mark go. Well, if you're just a fan of Sebastian Shaw, the actor, what camp do you fall in that point? Then you fall in the Hayden Christensen should not have been in that scene. Chase him off with something. Okay, there we go. Maybe some sand. Go ahead, Mark. Yes. I, I was gonna say, well, well, first, I was gonna say I, I didn't even know who Shaw was before this whole change up stuff, change up uh debate happened. But anyways, um there have been people that have commented that have said that um in, in the last Jedi, where um, in the scene where Luke appears to be on crate, um, some people have commented saying that he looks a little he look, he he has his younger look, you know, when he confronts uh, mm-hmm. Kylo. So I think this is just me theorizing here, but you know, I I think that that change set up for President to uh, have you know Luke Young. Luke younger. You know, via the force, uh, you know, there was purpose in that in that scene for him to do that because that's the last time that Kylo recognized him. I don't know. So abstained. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Xavier. What's the next question? All right, we got two more left, and it is: You think Grand Admiral Thrawn is the best villain of all time? Mark, do you know who Thrawn is besides yeah. the, the Rebels show? Uh, besides the Rebel show? Yes. I think we're about to open a whole can of worms here, guys. So, uh, uh, get ready for some fun. I mean, I know, I knew of, I knew of Thrawn, you know, outside of Rebels. You know, I knew of his, uh, you know, popularity, you know, from the EU, but I never actually read the books. Okay, let's make this simple. Is Thrawn the best villain in the Star Wars universe? I am purposely excluding 
anything from the newer newer trilogy because it is not complete. So we do not have a complete picture of any of the villains or who may become a villain. So no Snoke, no Hux, no what's the muck. All right. I'm going to say yes. Yes, that, that was an awesome rhyme I did too. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to say no. Thrawn is not the best villain in Star Wars. Then you need to say who is. The Emperor. Okay. Emperor is the greatest character in Star Wars, plain and simple. Because he's the only character that relishes in the fact of how evil he is. Yes. So Grand Admiral Thrawn is like the blue guy. Yes. Who's never been in any Star Wars movie. You are correct. And he's better than Darth Vader? According to this... Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> Darth Vader is like one of the best villains of all time. That is a correct answer. I will accept that answer. All right. So I guess it's my turn. Um, I do agree that the Emperor is one of the best villains, but I'm going to say, to be honest, I kind of prefer Tarkin as a villain over Thrawn. I mean, Thrawn's cool. He's somebody who, you know, he's very strategic and all this stuff, but I just think Tarkin's a better villain. Just because he, he, he's the first person we're introduced to, and he's just so maniacally just evil. I mean, the, 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 the Emperor is too, but but sadly, Robot Chicken and the world has skewed him slightly for me, because I just imagine whenever he's not in front of people, he's just Seth, Seth MacFarlane wandering around just complaining about everything. All right, so can, I, can I give an a honorary mention to another Star Wars villain that has great potential? Sure. Sure. All right. I feel the way they're doing General Hux, Donald Gleason, he has the... Objection, I said no new trilogy. <laughs> oh, you said no new trilogy, okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue in favor of Darth Maul, because he was so cool, like, at I'll the time. It. And I think he still is. I think he was so cool. He looks cool. He, the way he fights is cool. He barely speaks. He leaves completely a ton of space to a backstory and to like he he's very ill-defined in a very mysterious way he's like jaws like you just don't you barely see him you can't like there's no origin that's being presented when he shows up he just he's menacing he's mysterious he's badass i thought he was an awesome villain uh i will allow that all right now for the final and probably most controversial one to show that you are a true Star Wars fan, you have strong opinions about the prequels. Uh, good or bad. It just says you have strong opinions. I have taken this as it could go either way. Um, likewise here, actually. The, the, you, the strong- you just have to have an opinion. You cannot be in the middle about them, apparently. Uh, you, you just were, though, weren't you? Was I? You said no, you Sanger, could go. Sanger doesn't like Attack of the Clones, and he's willing to die on that proverbial hill. All right, all right. I, I'm Correct. gonna say I'm gonna say yes in the sense that uh, that I have strong opinions in the sense that I can you know I can defend them, but yeah, you know, and that there's worthy there are things in them that that are worth to defend. Hold on, guys, I'm getting yelled at. <laughs> all right, well, Zenger's being yelled at. I'm going to say yes. I do have I have I have strong opinions in that I like the prequels. It's still recording. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're in trouble, Sanger. I would bang the gavel to say yes, but I'm going to get yelled at. 
Oh boy! I mean, how are we gonna top this now? Okay, sorry, I, I missed what, what what's what's going on. I can't bang the gavel too loud anymore. Uh, okay, you can't. So, so Judge Zenger has been retired. Abstain. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Yes, I have strong opinions on the pre- prequels. Period. Lewis, how about you? I mean, I think I think the dialogue um, and the way the way the lines were delivered in some parts of the prequels. Um, it's, um, it's memorable for sure, but I mean, it's not, <laughs> I, like, I don't know if it always got the response from the audience that it wanted to have in some parts, especially the second one, the attack of the clones. Yes. I think he, I think he is correct. There were some, yeah, like there was a discrepancy between what, how, how audiences were supposed to react and feel. And and how they actually did and just Zinger yelling constantly at his TV screen or whatever device he is watching it on. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's some lines in the prequels that make like that I find funny, but they're not supposed to be funny. Lewis, are you pro pork or anti pork? Um, pro. You are. Yeah. Pro-porg. All right, Zanger Zanger is very clearly pro pork. So now here's another. Here's I got part a second two. one now. Yes, yeah, so, so I've heard. They both are. That's great. Um, second question: Are you pro Porg or pro Crystal Fox? Well, you can only be pro for one of them. Yes, we are Siths. We are absolutes. We need an absolute here. Like which one is better? Yes, well, is a correct answer. The Crystal Fox, they they don't do much. They they don't they don't really get their their moment, their time to shine, other than go through a hole. But they saved the character. They saved the resistance. I mean, they escape because that's what animals do when they're in the like on the loose, and they just um, like they show a path. But I, I don't really remember them as as cool looking as they were. I don't really remember them. Uh, that All right. Much. All right. But to be fair, did the porg save any of our characters? Yes. They. I mean, there, there's a there's a moment that made me laugh. Like while in that same scene, like at at some point, um, like the Millennium Falcon is is going through a sort of an underground area, and you see like a port just hit the window. I I thought that was funny, like because it's in the middle of such an intense, serious, life threatening action scene, and then it's just like. Meep! <laughs> well, looks like Zenger's won this round. Yes, I have. And can I also point out they did save a character? Poor Chewie was left without a partner. Somebody, you know, help him pilot the Falcon. And now he has a ton of Porgs. Are you telling me that the Porgs are a replacement for Han Solo? I'm just saying if one of them has a blaster and shoots first, I think my argument speaks for itself then. I still like the fact that they actually had concept art of the, the Porgs jumping up and down on the blue lightsaber. And having actually actually having one of them impaled through the head with it, I like that they actually they actually they they sketch that out. They put it in the book. I give them a lot of credit for doing that. Never mind actually publishing it. Is there anything else you want to talk about the last day? Like so? Anything well, no, else? I mean, I don't want to strip mine what we have here. I mean, this oh. is a deep, nice, deep vein of good content that that you can go to and you know be able to you know slowly you know every now and then you know 
hit out a good bit to keep you going instead of strip mining, buying a giant mansion, and then blowing all the money and then being left with nothing in a few months. But to be fair, we could have a Han. This is okay. This is a good segue. But we have the Han Solo movie maybe coming out this Do we? year. Do okay, we? Okay. Maybe well, coming out. Okay, I want like, evidence. I want a trailer. I want a poster. I, I want any indication that this movie is coming out. There is a poster. Okay, hold on. I, I will look. In the meantime, bicker amongst okay. yourselves. All right. Lewis, you had a very controversial tweet in the last couple of days saying there's a 99.9% chance that we do not get this film in May. Would you care to elaborate? Why? There's no marketing. Oh, wow. It's like Zinger was just talking about that or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, is I, it, I got is it this freaking stupid-looking smuck of a, a Star Wars story? Oh, no, wait. That is obviously not it. Okay, what? sorry. Continue. Like, okay. Let's see the post with Spielberg and uh, like Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. That movie didn't have a trailer until end of November and came out a month later. But that's okay because it's the post. So it's like it's, it's, a, it's an awards... Contender, and it's going to get most of its marketing from Golden Globe, Oscar nominations, and it's not—it's not the same ball game. Like a movie that expensive, that tries to cater to so many people, there's there should have been a teaser trailer by now. It was supposed to come out with the Last Jedi, and there's nothing. You know, I'm, I agree with you there, but I also have a oh argument. wow, is that supposed to be the poster? It is. That's the one sheet. Oh, that's yes. just a teaser poster. So. It's a logo. Right. <laughs> it's a logo. I like that. <laughs> it's not even just logo. Are you sure that's not graffiti somebody put on a wall? <laughs> At least it's nice to do a black border around it. It is coming out because they spent so much money, and it, it, it it's coming out, but it's not coming out in May. I I would be. Uh, I'm gonna, You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna counter your argument because. Um, so I, I talked to this guy who uh, he's a he's a French uh, Star Wars fan, but he's very uh, keen on on merchandising uh, Star Wars merchandise, particularly Hasbro, and he doesn't feel like it's gonna get pushed back because he feels that Hasbro has already you know sort of been working on the solo uh, t- uh, product tie-ins that they're doing, and you know it, it'd be too hard to push back the movie. Uh, because you know of all the other stuff that's happening in the in like when it comes to like product tie-ins, yeah, no. So that that that's what he tells you. That doesn't mean it's not good, that it cannot happen. You know, he he thinks that it's like a small chance of that happening, like a ten percent chance. Maybe not even ten. Maybe like five percent. It's, mm. it's it's kind of a lose lose. In in these situations, you have to lose it. You have to look at it as a lose lose, and I think Justice League is is a great recent example of that. You have a director who steps away uh, with an unfinished product, then they bring in Joss Whedon to reshoot. God knows how much of the movie, and uh, and you got special effects team that have deadlines that are just completely unrealistic. And, and it shows, like, especially just the villain, like, the way he looks. And, like, some of the scenes look great, but some look rushed and unfinished. Um, the cost of releasing it in November as they planned, obviously, they, they would have made a big loss with tie-ins. And, and everything you're mentioning was also true for the DC Universe. 
But I think the loss they're going to make now by releasing this movie and having, you know, millions of people being disengaged and saying, I just don't trust what they're doing with this universe anymore. Like, I'm not going to go see the next one. And I'm not going to like they they might have lost 10 times as much money in future films. They're not going to green light right now because they're considering just rebooting the whole thing. Like, if you put a bad solo movie, let's say Han Solo comes out in May, because it has to come out in May, and audiences hate it, the cost, the long-term cost associated with that, the fact that they put out a bad movie, is is much worse. Right. I don't think that the reason that they would... They're not going to push it back, because, you know, to give them more time to work on effects and this and that, because I feel like they've already... They've already had plenty of time of that, and I think they, you know, they they feel pretty confident that they that they've done all they can for it, effects uh, wise and whatnot. I mean, they could just add extra scenes, like pickups, reshoots, whatever. Um, we, we we wouldn't know that for sure, um, but um, I don't I don't I think it's a different story. It's a different scenario, uh, you know, Justice League versus uh, this solo film. Um, I, I think it's a different scenario. Uh, they're not. They're not a uh, rush. They're not a. Uh, they're not rushing it out, and then you know, be, and then it turns out that some of the effects look rushed. Uh, they're rushing it out because of other uh, other uh, factors, uh, such as you know tie-ins and stuff. Um, I, I don't think that they're rushing on the effects. No, I think they've had plenty of time of that, even with the change of directors. But who knows? We'll see. It depends on what Ron Howard decided to to redo because. Right. The- the more he says, you know, we're going to dump all of this, going to get rid of all of this, we're going to reshoot all of that, and we're going to rewrite all of that. Like, it just, uh, when you have to create brand new set pieces, bring back all the actors, and just, it depends. Like, if it's minor changes, if they had a good movie, and it's hard to believe they had a good movie because they fired the guys who made that movie. But if they had a good movie, and Ron Howard's there to make it more agreeable, and that's all like um, it's all gut feeling. It feels like there were some major issues with that movie. And when they bring in a guy and they say you're going to be credited as the director instead of whoever else was making the film, that's usually not a sign that he's just going to do some touch-ups. He's been pretty generous on social media with sharing uh, pictures of uh, you know some of the work that they've been doing. I don't think he's just there just to do touch-ups. I agree, but I also think that. I think that's there's a good amount of the film that's salvageable, and but there's still you know a lot that he wants to do. I think the reason that they haven't pushed it back is because they feel pretty confident about their product. Um, they don't they don't feel that it's necessary to push it back because um, any other movie, any other director, and you know, and yes, they would have uh, the the movie would have been pushed back, you know, to give that new director you know more um, more time to you know to fix and work on the film. Um, but I think with Ron Howard, I think uh, probably did enough work that they're confident that they can still meet this deadline. It, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say something real quick about the, these, uh, these uh, date release dates and why they've been pushed back and whatnot. The force awakens originally was going to be coming out in like June, uh, summer of 2015. Uh, I don't know if you, if anyone here remembers, you know, hearing that, yeah. but then, you know, but then there were some issues with the script and and whatnot, and they got they had to get some you know new folks to come and work on the script, and so they pushed it to uh, you know December, and then the last Jedi schedule for May 2017, 
and you know the second spin of the solo one may 2018 and the 2019 film episode 9 they just had it as episode 9 I, I, they just had it as 2019 but then they put it at may 2019 and of course they you know they pushed it back now you know with the whole changes in director now but my i think the plan for lucasfilm was originally to all right let's get these first two films out in december and then let's get back to the may schedule um you know following rogue one well when they saw that you know they saw how much money they were making with the force awakens releasing in december that and, and then seeing that um they didn't start filming as scheduled with the last jedi they're like you know what maybe we should push it back to december i think we'll be making i think it'll be a good move overall so that and and then us pushing back as well uh with um you know the last um episode nine and you know so there are reasons why they're pushing movies back episode nine practical reasons not just money reasons but the money is also a big factor so i i think that's what happened that you know they wanted to get back to may releases but after seeing you know the money coming in for december releases plus you know some issues that were happening in the filmings of future films they're like yeah let's go ahead and push them back to december and why they did not do that with solo um i don't know but um i guess because they saw it was too late to do that i don't know but um yeah so that's my theory as to why um movies have been star wars movies have been pushed back to december once you once you have a teaser trailer out then you'll know because that's like locking your bet at the right. Once you once you release a trailer that's playing in theaters and that says May 2018, then you look like a fool to the audience, but mostly to your investors. You just look like you're you're scrambling. You don't know what you're doing. Um, so it's uh, they haven't done that yet, and I think it's because they're not 100% about being able to deliver at the level that they want to deliver. So as soon as you see that teaser trailer drop, then then we'll know. There is one instance, I brought this up before, and that Lewis probably remembers this too, with G.I. Joe Retaliation. That movie was supposed to come out June of 2012, and I think it was like, what, three or four weeks before it was supposed to come out? They they had the posters and like the huge billboards in Times Square, and they actually pulled them all down. And they, they pushed the movie back, because that was right after uh, Channing Tatum blew up. And they said, oh crap. We killed this guy five minutes into the movie because everybody hated the first one. So they said, quick, we have to add more scenes of him. And they actually had to pull toys off shelves and had to have them warehouse for like seven, eight months. So there even is a precedent for a film having a trailer and basically being on the docket to come out within the month and the studio pulls it. So I don't know. I, I, again, I, I lean more toward Lewis's side of this and that, that I think that film is a complete mess and they still don't know what to make of it. And that's why you haven't seen anything of it. It, it has happened before, yeah, you're right. It has happened before. I remember I, I'm part of a box office pool and I had G.I. Joe Retaliation in my pool, so I was pretty upset when they pulled it because that means <laughs> you lose one of your like like money-making movies, like a box office prediction movies. But um, yeah, I remember they had the trailer, they had everything. I mean, at the time we drafted for that box office pool, that movie was still coming out and we draft like in, in May, so... I've got an argument here. What comes out in May? It, oh. Does it rhyme with Schmidt War? What day does that come out, to be more specific? May the 4th. 
So you're having a the Avengers Infinity War, which is basically going to um, print money, come out in May, which is also owned by Disney. So you're going to have your own movie cannibalize your other movie at the end of the month. Nobody's going to probably go see Solo because they're going to still be riding the hype train that is Avengers Infinity War. But But hold on. What happens in June, you might ask? You have <laughs> The Incredibles 2. So you have a, another movie coming out that everyone is clamoring for. So there's no way to push it back because they want to have Incredibles 2 up against Jurassic World as something, you know, to kind of go up against that. And, of course, Deadpool is in there as the – well, actually, Deadpool is in there as Deadpool in the fact of who knows which way that's going to go. So something better for them to do would be to move it to like an October release date where – Disney has nothing coming out, nothing going on in October. Well, let's check on November real quick. They've got, I mean, they got the Nutcracker and um, Wreck-It Ralph 2, but they got nothing. I mean, that, that, that holiday area, or the beginning of the holidays, to put this in. So wouldn't you think it would be better for them to move it to somewhere where they won't be cannibalizing their own sales or actually have some sales projections? I mean, better sales projections. Wait, uh, when when does uh, Black Panther come out? February. Which which don't get me started on that right now. It irritates me to no end that Black Panther I feel is going to be a fantastic movie that's going to get overlooked because it's going to come out too close to Infinity War and nobody's going to care about it. Even though I think that's going to be one of the best movies Marvel's done in a long time. That that's an original start from fresh, not something they built on. I movie. agree. I agree on how awkward it was to have Black Panther play a lead role, like a dialogue, like a uh, deliver dialogue in the Infinity War trailer, and then yet you haven't seen his intro yet. Like, yeah, like the movie should have come out before that trailer, so we're like hyped because we're like we're accustomed, like we care about him. And I know he was in Civil War, but still, like, I don't know why that movie took so long to to be released. So that is my argument on why they are going to move that because they don't want to have it basically be just devoured by another one of their movies. But Zinger, you're wrong on this. I am now arguing with myself because I've already got an argument lined up. What if they keep it at that date? What if they keep it at the end of May? What if they let it ride out? Because you know what? I already stated this. That movie is going to make money hands over fist. So if they take a huge loss on Solo, nobody's going to notice it after all the freaking money that's being printed from it from the Avengers. So it can be a wash movie that everyone can just be like, it didn't do good. Oh, well, I guess it was all those rewrites and stuff. And hey, our bad for putting it out next to one of our own movies that's going to that blew the doors off of every theater. Mm, no. Yeah. Yeah, I, I disagree. No, wait, with, with with which argument? Now, now you've got two zingers to argue with. You can't, you can't tell you like, you can't tell your board um, of executives. You know, I'm sorry for stepping on my own toes, which I had planned all along for years. Like, well, for I mean, me, if, if, if this movie is truly a giant mess, wouldn't that be the best thing to do with it? Is to kind of try to sweep it under the rug and let you know. Oh, our giant movie that is going to basically just build us an entire new Disneyland in the money it's going to make overwhelmed yeah. it. 
I think those films are too big. Like the Star Wars and Marvel movies are too big to be swept under the rug. They're just they're they're enormous, um, and they can't fail. Like they can't be bad. And I'm looking at December 2018. Like there's Bumblebee, which is the Transformers spinoff that no one is excited about. There's an untitled Fox movie coming out on 21st. There's Bohemian Rhapsody that Brian Singer just got fired from. <laughs> there's Mary Poppins Returns. Watch out. Like, it's there's Aquaman. There is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Mortal Engines. I mean, Aquaman is going to be great because James Wan is just a top-notch director. And I'm sure he did a great job. And there's a ton of confidence about the film itself. But coming off Justice League, are people going to be excited about Aquaman? I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's going gonna, it's gonna to open well, but yeah, December's wide open. There's, yeah, there's, so why not just move the movie? That's what they're going to do. Like because, nine, well, nine, 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 10%. Then they have to move Mary Poppins, which, which they, they could do. They wouldn't have to move Mary Poppins. I mean, why can't you just put it in November? Because you, oh, you just see all the crap they ha- all the crap that's coming out in November. Hold on. Plus, it's also let's just put it this way: the, the year is just so busy. <laughs> okay, well, let's see November, here. We got well, Dark Phoenix, November, the Nutcracker. Wait wait, 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 wait! But it's worth again because Lewis is going to pick up on this. If you look at November second of twenty eighteen, if you look at there's two Disney movies to be released that weekend, which is impossible. So either the Nutcracker wait. or Mulan is going to move. Oh, it, the thing I'm looking at does not have Mulan. Listed. Okay. Did they move Mulan again? Because I know that I know they're they're working on that right now. When's that one coming out? Well, I don't know. It says November second right now, but it could change. I haven't no, seen like, a trailer on that. Yeah. Well, I don't think they've started filming. They just cast the lead, so I doubt there's anything even there. But like, I don't know though, because you have Mary, again. You look at December, and the only thing Disney has in December is Mary Poppins, which I know they've been. God, that movie's been gestating for years now i know ever since that the emily blunt picture it's been floating around they can release it's, it anytime oh yeah it's gonna make money like alice in wonderland which is that same kind of movie it, it came out in march and it made 400 million domestic but that was riding avatar's coattails just like clash of the titans rode avatar's coattails to an insane amount of money That's yeah really, the only thing I have to say about Mary Poppins Returns is that that movie's going to... You can't put that in March, because that's a weird... I don't know. Does anybody Is anybody excited for a Mary Poppins sequel, or is it just me? Well, that's what I mean, though, Lewis. You're the industry person. Is there any sort of heat or hype for that film? Um, I think Mary Poppins is a, a dusty property. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, okay. That's all you need to say. So, so, that says it all. So the Universal Monsters, you know, the Dark Universe? Of course. It's coming back. <laughs> it's coming, oh, that stuff. It's been coming back forever. And I think one of the issues that Universal has, other than, like, you know, The Mummy with Tom Cruise was, like, a mediocre movie at best. Uh, it's not just the quality. They have trouble rebooting it because, like, our grandparents are excited about it. Like, kind it's, of like- it's been on the shelf for so long. It's kind of like making a $300 million Lone Ranger movie with Johnny Depp as Tonto. That's a great example. <laughs> that movie's fabulous, the by the way. It's like the brand is very, very well known, but like, how long has it been since we've been entertained by Mary Poppins on the big screen? It's like a lot, a lot of dead people would have been excited. <laughs> so you're saying this is, 
Are you saying this is why Green Hornet failed? Um, and no. it wasn't Seth Rogen didn't do a good job as a superhero. No, that was just that was just a much smaller brand. I mean, they, they, it's probably the way they approached it. They released it in January too, but I think I think that movie was confused as to what it wanted to be, and the way it was marketed to is a bit of a. I think they had trouble making this one. I have yeah. an idea. Okay, you look at I'm looking at the 2018 calendar. You know that the, the Christopher Robin movie that Disney's making, right? With Ewan McGregor's Christopher Robin. Uh, have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Have they even started filming that yet? Or are they still like in pre-production on that? I, I would have to check. All right. Because the only reason why I ask is that I'm going through the calendar. And as everybody knows, the first weekend of August is kind of like a, a sleeper spot for putting your last major blockbuster of the summer. And I'm thinking... Disney has a slot reserved August 3rd for that Christopher Robin film. Wouldn't it make sense that they, they give it the Guardians of the Galaxy slot and the Suicide Squad spot of that last spot before the summer ends? That'd be an interesting place to put it. It would really have all of August, September to, 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 to ride out until the new slot of fall films start in October. Usually when there's a reshuffle of a major film, there's a there's about four or five movies that move. Well, I think that would happen because if you look at August third, you have the Equalizer two, Predator sixteen, and you have the another Medea film, and then you have the Christopher Robin film, which would have to move. Obviously, that's the only thing I'm thinking about. That that would make sense if they pushed it to early August. It's still summer, but it also gives it room. I'm uh, I'm gonna bet that we're gonna see Solo. A Star Wars story in December 2018. What weekend? The 21st or the 14th? The 14th. 14th, okay. This is, we're we're going to make it be really specific, so a year from now we can bring you back on and say, aha, it was the 21st all, all along. Yeah, they want to make that extra coin. <laughs> yeah, you got to get all that pre-Christmas money. Yeah, it's that pre-Christmas money. They want the fans out of the theaters, so that, so that like, a Audiences that don't normally go to the movies have plenty of space to, to go see it. I just want to say I look forward to seeing um, the solo movie in the Walmart bargain bin. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to come out in theaters. I'm saying that's where we'll find it. Oh, it's, it's coming direct direct to like, like a Larry the Cable Guy movie? Yes. Oh, yikes. That's, that's, that's even worse of a thing than I was thinking you were going with. <laughs> That's Jeez. how under the rug they're trying to sweep this. Everyone's going to yeah. be sitting there at the theater. You're going to have Mark sitting there for weeks at the theaters to see this, and he's gonna, they're going to be like, yeah, that movie isn't in theaters. He's going to walk into Walmart depressed and be like, wait, what's that? It was a direct <laughs> you all along. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think Solo is going to be like what Rogue One was. Movie, the movies that cater mostly to the, the base, the, the fan base the argument i've been making lewis that um rogue one is a movie that was made for star wars fans uh specifically not necessarily uh you know with the uh with not necessarily with the general public in mind that's mark you crazy (laughs) you played right into my hand who here cares about a solo movie in all honesty who here is like i want a solo movie to happen it's it's when there were there were reports at some point that the lead actor needed an acting coach. 
I love that story. That came out in Variety. When I saw that, I was like, oh my god. Not that he needed an acting coach, like, for acting, but more like a coach for, like, you know, making sure he had the solo part down, you know, the swagger down, but... I, I, what's his name again? How do you, how do you say it? Ike Carter? Alden Ehrenreich. He okay. Could, like, he, he can be a good actor in other films. Alden. Yeah. But not work in this. It happened... It happens a lot. I mean, like Back to the Future didn't have Michael J. Fox. They had Eric Stoltz, and, and they let him go because he was just bad in that movie. In mm-hmm. that, So they let him go, and they just... Found I've him. seen some of those scenes on the internet. They're bad. Yeah, he just, he just didn't work. So sometimes you cast someone who's, who's talented in their own right, but they're just wrong for the part, and you realize it way too late when, when it's extremely awkward and costly to just tell them, like, you're, you're wrong for this. Well, didn't they didn't they do that for Solo? Was I forget who the actor's name was, but didn't they replace the actor with a uh, Paul Bettany during the Ron Howard reshoots? I, I remember hearing that there was some actor that had to be replaced, like his entire character had to be all the scenes had to be refilmed with Paul Bettany because the original actor either didn't work, obviously either didn't work out or scheduled. Or was Kevin Spacey? Well, that that's a whole separate issue entirely. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> they get, maybe they should get Christopher Plummer to play Han Solo. Think it's think it's too late. Can we digitally de-age Harrison Ford? Don't you be still surprised. Want to do that's, it. Com- that's coming. Don't be surprised. There's gonna be there's gonna come a point where they're gonna try that. The special edition will have him there. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, people have been wrong before about movies in their early stages. Like, like we were all trashing the the the, the Stephen King It remake as being laughably bad. Until the first trailer came out, and then everyone was like, "Oh my god, this is actually going to be really good." But like when the first image came out in Entertainment Weekly, he's like hanging out of a sewer, like the clown was coming out of a sewer, and like the whole internet was having a field day as to how stupid it looked. Are, are you telling me that the internet was judging something prematurely? They've well, never done that. That's never. the most fun part. The actual, <laughs> actual going to the movie part is not that fun. It's like unwrapping your present on Christmas Day when you're a kid. Once you have it and you know what it is and you're playing with it, that's not as much fun as when it's under the tree and you can just play mind games with your parents or try to like guess what it is and the anticipation. And the most fun part is to um, you know make fun of what's going to flop and um, defend what is underappreciated and uh, champion and be part of the experience as release dates of something we're really looking forward to is coming and then after that once it's out and we've seen it it's uh yeah it's 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 not there's no more uncertainty to it so as much as it's fun to to make reviews and discuss film afterwards i think i think it's much more fun to imagine a disastrous solo movie that just is the worst since the holiday special i think Uh, don't oh god all right all right I want to carry that analogy one step further. This is how I imagine. If, if analyzing a film before it comes out on the internet is much like anticipating Christmas morning, this is what the internet does, though. Imagine he took that Christmas present and you keep shaking it so violently trying to figure out what it is inside that by the time you finally open it, it's, a, it's just a pile of just parts and dust. 
That's what the internet does. We just keep analyzing and just scrutinizing everything by inch by inch until eventually we shake that Christmas present so hard trying to figure out what's in the box that we finally do open it. It's just debris and nonsense that's been blasted to smithereens. But, but that, isn't, that why, isn't that why they're building toys that are as solid as they can be? Like, Isn't that a way to keep them accountable to, to put out even better built movies? Yes, and I think that, and I think that's how you get these. I think that's how you get a Force Awakens, though. You get a film that's so safe, it's so soft, it's so plush that when you open it, it there's really nothing to it. It's like kind of like getting a, a um, rubber ball. It's like okay, I can't break this, but at the same time, there's only so much I can do with a rubber ball. I like this analogy. I think we should. I think we should boil everything down to a Christmas morning present analogy. I like that. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Exactly, especially considering this episode is not going to air until after Christmas morning. So hmm. it'll be a nice holiday cheer for our audience. It'll be Christmas after the fact. I got two so, fun facts real quick before we go. Uh, 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 go ahead, Zanger. Fun fact. Um, not including Rogue One, this is the first Star Wars film that a character from the film actually says the title of the film. Luke Skywalker in the film says, I will not be the last Jedi. Oh. Yeah. Then no other Star Wars film is they do they ever say the title of the film. Wait, wait are, are you including the spinoffs? Uh, no, it says Rogue One is not included in okay, that. No. All right. So you, there's she, that. So you're telling me there's no part in the um, Empire Strikes Back where Han Solo turns around the Princess Leia and says, "It's as if the Empire is striking back." No, no, no. So you got that wrong. He turns and looks directly into the camera and goes, <laughs> "The Empire strikes back." <laughs> or or at one point in Attack of the Clones, someone goes, oh no, it's the Attack of the Clones. Or in that really great moment in the um, Phantom Menace where Jar Jar goes, ah, the Phantom Menace, as, as the doors open up on Darth Maul. <laughs> Which he wasn't in that scene, but I like to imagine he would be just to say that. Exactly. See, Star Wars is brilliant, folks. See, this is, this is the versions of the movies that should exist, the ones that we imagine in our head. Yes, that's that, that's why our headcanon is still the best Star Wars film no one will ever see but ourselves. Exactly. And if it doesn't ah. turn out the way we like, then we can still blame Ryan Johnson. Yes. Also, one other thing real quick. Um, DJ, do you know what his name supposedly possibly stands for? Yes. Oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. Is anyone going to say it or just going to keep saying it? Don't, don't, don't join. That's yes. This job. Mark, no, Mark is correct because I'm pretty sure his uh, books have pointed that out to him. That I'm, it does. I'm pretty sure he likes music. He works no, at discotech. It, it, it is don't join, which is what uh-huh. he tells every. Okay. Nope. Disc jockey. So He's he. Are, are, are you assuming he got thrown in jail for dropping them hot beats? Yes, I think he probably played the wrong. Uh, what's a really unpopular song these days? What's what's a song that nobody likes? That's like in the top forty. Uh, let's see here. Uh, did he play an episode of the Knights of Vader podcast? Uh, no, no. People have to listen to it at least once to dislike it. Oh, man. Oh, man. The running gag that nobody listens to this show. I love it. And it slowly oh, gets more dude. people listening somehow. Yeah, somehow the fact that we keep we keep saying nobody listens to this, we gain more of an audience. And on that note, first of all, I'd like to thank Lewis for coming on. It really, like, as somebody who's been watching his trailer mashups probably since 2011 it means a lot that you finally get to talk to someone whose work you've been watching for all these years so thank you lewis it, it means a lot that you did come on i'm happy to um accept the invitation it's always interesting to discuss all things star wars especially from the perspective of someone who's 
maybe not in the uh, the core fan base. As our um, little game earlier showed. Hey, did you tally the scores on that zanger? No, I didn't. I wasn't keeping score. You know what? You're not allowed to make games anymore. You know what? You, you ruined that. I'm, it's like, kind of like how Ellie took away your 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 gavel. I'm taking away your power to have uh, do games anymore. Oh, but I got a fun trivia game for next week. Nope, nope. You lost. You lost that privilege. Uh, for future right. listeners, I'll have it back. Oh nope, nope. Maybe he gets a kind of like Thor. He has to gain. He has to regain the right to his hammer. Maybe if he gains back, he he gains the the respect for for everything else, and he gets to have that back as well. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at KOV Podcast. Check out skywardfunsupply.com for all your toy needs. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform that you're listening to. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, please contact me, Zach, on Twitter at Rogue Knight, K-N-I-T-E. Where can people find you guys? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mark underscore SW Megafan. You can find me fondly looking back at 2017. I don't know how 2018 is going to start, so that might be a good thing. It might be a bad thing. But you can also find me on my own podcast, Zing This. That's C-E-N-G. This. You can find me at, at Sleepy Skunk on Twitter. And I also have a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Sleepy Skunk. Uh, I only make one video a year. That's hey. uh, <laughs> that's all I do. That, that's quality over quantity, and trust me, Sleepy Skunk always trumps David Ehrlich. So I'm I'm taking a shot, but I think it's uh, a shot of quality. Oh, I appreciate it. Yep, always make sure to watch those videos, folks. They're great. They're like a great uh, holiday treat. You always got to appreciate them. And on that note, I want to thank Lewis again. Thank you one more time. It's a pleasure. Would love to have you back when the Han Solo movie comes out 20 years from now. It'll yeah it'll be the holiday special of modern blockbusters can't wait Alrighty, folks have a good night everybody bye 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 night everyone <laughs>